Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. All right, so we are back for your latest episode of the OBR Film Breakdown. We are in the midst as a site covering uh, the quarterback department this year um, and, and, and reviewing that. I have written a full-on article, as you guys know, and covered everything that went wrong with Baker Mayfield. And that's why I'm not going to put out anything new from a content write-up perspective. But I wanted to reiterate something I, I put on social today about, you know, you can have a stance in the middle here. And, and maybe this is me as a person. I, I, I don't really go too far one direction. I see some perspectives of both sides. I lean a little uh, one direction, but you know, I see perspectives of both sides and I don't pretend to have all the answers. So with Mayfield, you can like, you can fully think that, that Baker Mayfield had a lot of last year as a, as a means of injury issues and other things and think that his year uh, in 2022 coming back makes sense. A return for him makes sense. And the Browns might do that. I'm not mad at that. I don't hate Baker Mayfield. I don't have any issue if they decide to bring him back for 2022 to run it back healthy post-surgery. So that's a thing. But I also truly do believe, based on the quarterback production issues, this year, the start of 2020, 2019, that it's fair to start having discussions on whether there is a higher basement to this whole thing and a higher, uh, a higher level of, uh, I guess the ceiling could even get higher than what we've seen from Baker Mayfield too. So it doesn't mean you hate Mayfield. Doesn't mean you can't stand him. Doesn't mean you have to be an air quotes, uh, Baker hater. I think you can look at this with some nuance and say, I understand why he could be back, but I also understand exploring other options that are out there. And that's what we're going to try to do today. We're going to look at free agents that are out there. Our own Cody Sweck wrote a nice article on free agent quarterbacks that are going to be out there, but we're also going to talk about trade parameters and whether we would prefer Mayfield or these other options that are sitting on the market or in the trade rumor, uh, the trade rumors section, rumor mill, rumor mill. Let's go with rumor mill. And uh, to do so, I thought no better guest than Jordan Zerm, who does fantastic work for the check down and has been on this pod many times. Jordan, what's happening? Jake, what's up, man? Barreling towards the Super Bowl uh, as it rapidly approaches. Pretty incredible football watching uh, happened this past weekend. That was a blast. So, uh, yeah, man, it's crazy how soon the season is ending, but it feels like we're at like peak football right now just in terms of the performances that we saw um, over the weekend, specifically um, on Sunday. So, yeah, man, good to be back on. Happy to talk about it. It's, uh, it's <laughs> Football just keeps going, man. It just keeps going. You, lo- you got to love it. It never, it never stops. It never waits. It never relents. I would say the thing that I left last weekend thinking was the goal of watching any sport is to be entertained. And that was like the most entertained I can recall being by having a non-rooting interest, of course, Uh, just, just sitting back and watching things unfold. It was really fun. So uh, maybe we'll get another couple games of that in the Super Bowl. We can hope the blowout stuff is no fun. Um, and, and hopefully we get some more of these close games and we see some wild outcomes. So let's do this, though, Jordan. Let's focus back on our Cleveland Browns and let's talk about quarterbacks. And again, primer here. What we're going to do is we're going to look at free agent quarterbacks and full disclosure. We are going to go off pro football focuses, a uh, top 100 free agent list. Plus, they've got some guys outside of the top 100, but they do to whoa. They do a great job of breaking down uh, what these players are as uh, scheme fits or where their best fit and their projected contract number. Obviously, a projected contract number is a, a, a situation where it's full on guessing game. Uh, they give reasoning behind it. You don't have to sit here and say Jake and Jordan are idiots. They're projecting these numbers. And the same when we talk about people that are that are trade guys. We don't know. Hey, uh, news alert. Neither do you. None of us know what the actual outcome of what teams are going to be offering. So uh, we're doing a bunch of guessing here, but we're really looking at the heart of this, Jordan, whether you would prefer this player at a, at a, at a guesstimated cost to what they have in $18 million in one year of Baker Mayfield. Now, another caveat is also understanding that it is not just one year, 18 million of Baker Mayfield. You could also trade him to get that 18 million off the books. Right. And then you could also, um, not have to deal with that looming contract that's out there as an extension 
for the player. So like there are parts of this where we're going to say, well, the caveat A, B and C for this quarterback. Well, there's also the idea of doing these things and how it, how it deals with uh, how Mayfield's contract or his money and, and the books this year shakes out. So keep all of that in mind. If you can, let's hit lead off here. Uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, Garoppolo's interesting because he's not technically a free agent, okay? Um, he is uh, still under contract, but here's, you know, it doesn't take rocket science. And I really, I think there are going to be people who listen to this, you folks who are diehard fans and do a great job. If we screw something up here, I am so sorry. Blame this on Cody or Pro Football Focus. Do not come back to me and yell at me about it. Okay. <laughs> they have him next year set up to make $26.9 million for 2022. His contract was very heavily uh, structured for the 49ers to get out. One of the last few contracts for quarterbacks where you weren't really quite sure, but you wanted to still give the guy money. It's like a prove it deal that we don't see anymore. Uh, Garoppolo got that. So his 26.9 is what he's pegged to make next year. Uh, not really earning that by his play, that high cap number. And it seems like he can get out of it. Uh, he be, being the San Francisco 49ers can get out of it at, at only a $1.4 million hit. And then they could start their young drafted quarterback, Trey Lance. So everything points here. We're really not going to take giant leaps of faith on some of these free agents uh, looking at a couple of them, but this one seems pretty safe to me. So the question becomes, can Jimmy Garoppolo come to Cleveland as a free agent and be an upgrade. So you weigh it two ways. Is he competition with Baker Mayfield or is he coming in and they move on from Baker Mayfield? So that's the way we have to analyze this, Jordan. Now, a couple things of note, since the 2018 season, Garoppolo ranks eighth in EPA per play and CPOE's completion percentage over expected composite. That's a great number. He finished the season top 12 of position in yards per attempt, adjusted completion percentage, passer rating in 19 and 21. When he's been healthy, he's won a ton of games. Now, he's got Kyle Shanahan. He's got a bunch of things that work in his factor from a scheme standpoint. We obviously have seen him lay clunkers in games where the 49ers have still found ways to win, but he is one of the better uh, end of game quarterbacks. Somehow, some way he's found a way to do it. So I will ask you, uh, Jordan, if you are interested in this player more than Baker Mayfield, and if you are, what is your reasoning behind it or not? Yeah, I like that we're starting out with Jimmy because I think that, you know, the Browns and 49ers have been kind of compared to each other a lot since um, over these past couple of years, because they do have very, there's a lot of similarities between um, the two offenses. Obviously they both rely pretty heavily on the run game and their run game um, lets them do a lot of stuff scheme wise that doesn't ask a ton of the quarterback. And when you've seen sort of both Jimmy and Baker kind of find that rhythm where they know where they're going with the ball. They know, you know, they're getting it out and they're making uh, here and there, they're making some big time throws. Like the offense can flourish. And obviously the Niners went to the Super Bowl doing that in 2019. And like, it's wild to think that Jimmy G might be right back in the Super Bowl with, it could be even a rematch of that 2019 Super Bowl. Um, and it's so, so I, I'm, tor I'm very torn on this one. Uh, I think like, you know, I was actually just going back and watching, Jimmy G's throws against um, against the Packers, and obviously, you know, weather conditions weren't great there. But you know, Jimmy G isn't going to do anything that's going to like blow your mind. But I think that we've gotten to the point um, this season where perspective here and is really key because most of what Jimmy G did against the Packers, and most of what Jimmy G does when he's playing well, is he's just making the throws. He's making the – a lot of times they were just kind of running slants where he's hitting Kittle and Kittle's getting yards after the catch. Obviously, like, you just get it to Debo any way possible, and Debo is a yards after catch monster, whether he's – it's a handoff, whether it's just like a little screen to the outside, like whatever. But the difference right now between, like, a Baker and a Jimmy is, like, Jimmy's making most of those throws. He's making the easy throws. So, you know, when he's hitting somebody wide open on a slant, the ball's not behind the receiver. Um, he's putting it out front. He's getting guys to where they need to go. Um, and the offense operates at a high level when he's doing that because they are just such a unique, like, between Debo and Kittle and Ayuk. Um, but then, like, he had a great throw to Kittle on the sideline. The Kittle made an unbelievable catch. He basically, like, kind of one-handed it um, down the sideline. But it was a beautifully placed ball. Like, I think it was in between a little cover two action. But it was just, like, a beautifully thrown ball by Jimmy. So, like, he just reminds me of Baker when Baker is playing well so much because they both do very similar things. Now, I don't know 
that's a long-winded way of me saying like yes I would be interested if he was a free agent because I do think like we've seen enough from Jimmy where it's like okay he could come in and he could probably run this offense and we know exactly what he's going to be and like the Browns didn't need and probably don't need a, some superstar quarterback to come in right now with like how they can operate on offense when they just have a competent quarterback but I there's always this thing with Jimmy and there's always the thing with Baker where it's like you're just holding your breath and you're sort of waiting for the interception or you're waiting for like the sack fumble or you're just waiting for Jimmy to or miss somebody wide open because that's sort of both the things that hold us back from from anointing either guy as like this elite tier QB. So I'm not sure if it excites me enough, Jake, where I'd be like, yeah, let's go get him. Let's get after it. It I, I it would be very funny to me to go from Baker to Jimmy just because of like the similarities and the frustrations in their game. <laughs> and if Jimmy had any sort of, sort of like we saw in 2020, um, he's dealt with injury history of his own too. Like if there's a step back from him as a quarterback, it becomes really, it's going to be really tough again. I think you're going to have some of the exact same offensive frustrations that we had with Baker this season. So my answer, Jake, is pretty much, I would say there's a there's a mild interest there in Jimmy. I think you would have to absolutely look at him. Um, a guy that is in the Super Bowl two out of the past three years, like if that happens, it's hard to just dismiss somebody like that. Um, but I think we know what his his ceiling and his struggles are, and, and they remind me so much of Baker. So it's hard for me to get like very excited about it. So if you could trade Baker and sign Jimmy mm-hmm. to a number that is reasonable, not 26, maybe something along the realms of three years, 60 million. Is that something you would do or not do? Oh, We're here to answer. Uh, we got it. Oh yeah. No, we got to answer. Um, I, I mean, I think I would listen. I think I'm probably further on the side of like, it's going to be really hard to repair the Baker Brown's relationship at this point. Um, So I'm sort of in the camp where it's like, I, I would rather almost get a fresh start with somebody else at this point. Um, So that for me, I I think I'm a little further on that side right now, like full disclosure on that. Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, I think if you can do that number and you go into the season and it's like, all right, Jimmy, like just do the things we, that Baker could not do in terms of just completing easy passes, like just do that. And this offense will take a huge leap, then yeah, I think you'd, I think you would have to do it. So I think I would say, I think I would say yes to that. If you can move Baker and bring Jimmy G in on something that's reasonable and not going to, you know, disqualify you from continuing to build a team around it, then uh, yeah, I think it'd be hard not to look at that. Would you bring him in as competition? Say you signed him to some sort of deal. Maybe Jimmy's market didn't pan out. Other teams that were looking found their guy. Maybe there's a one-year, $15 million deal. And you say, between these two guys, will Tannehill this thing? And I know Tannehill's the thing everybody uses as an example, and it's such mm-hmm. a massive outlier. But they did one-year deal, Ryan Tannehill. I can't remember. It wasn't expensive. It was maybe $10 million. And I think Jimmy's far from the perception of what Tannehill was coming out of Miami. But in a world where you could bring him in beside Mayfield and compete with him, is that something you would do, or do you not at all like the idea of that? I, I, I don't like the idea of that because I think it would be an absolute circus, uh, in terms of media coverage, in terms of how Baker would feel about that. You know, it's one thing to sort of bring in a guy, um, like say like, and this is somebody we'll, we'll probably, maybe we'll briefly mention, but like, say it was like Gardner Minshew and you're like, okay, you know, like he's, yes, he is a name, but he's not somebody that I think comes in and is going to threaten immediately like Baker Mayfield's whole (laughs) sort of aura that he's built with Jimmy G I think there's such a um the attention attached to his name the experience that he's had the stuff that he's done I just I think that would be absolute chaos and I don't think it would end well in any way so I think I would say I would say no to the one year come in while Baker is here and go at it I, I don't I don't see how that would end well I'm with it. I'm with it. I don't think I would do the Garoppolo deal. I don't okay. I don't think I would go there just because I do think that the version we saw of Baker in 2020, now again, not enough of it for me to feel like just some people think it's guaranteed to return. I don't either, but I think I have a very good feeling for what Jimmy is. And to me, if Baker has a bad 2020 and we have a tough year, I do think Jimmy could be on the market again or players like him. So I'm not really that concerned with missing on him. So I think your points are valid. 
I think the risk reward of giving Mayfield another run at this thing healthy uh, tends to point me in a direction that I just don't love. I don't love the idea of Garoppolo. I'm totally with you. I cannot see those two competing. If they made a deal for Jimmy Garoppolo, though, I would have, I don't think I'd have an issue with it. I could understand their perspective like your perspective you just gave. So that's one of the options that are out there. Now we move to more guys like you were just talking about, which are in the realm of potential competition for Mayfield slash Maybe you could see them being more pro football focus gives Jameis Winston a a heavy, heavy slant, man. He obviously (laughs) suffered the ACL last year, but he's their 41st quarterback or 41st player uh, on the board. uh, Top 100, the first quarterback uh, of true free agency to to show up here. Uh, They note a couple things his arm strength and willingness to attack downfield, which has never been questioned. He'll get out of the pocket, pick up some first downs with his leg. The problem is obviously putting the ball in harm's way and passing under pressure but you tend to think your line can handle some of the pressure stuff in Cleveland. They scheme fit roll him as a low end starting quarterback. If you bring in Jameis, do you think he's a starter? I think he's a little bit on the fringe of the Jimmy side you're talking about where it's Mm -hmm. like, if you bring that guy in, you really can't compete with him. And then like, is his presence too big to coincide with backing up slash pushing Mayfield? I think he is like the line in the sand where I just think Jameis is too much a direction where we're trying to replace you actively with this guy. Right. So I think his projection is one year, 7 million on their end incentives can boost it to 12 million just because he didn't get enough time to really formulate a full season worth of work under Sean Payton. And now Sean Payton, who knows where he's going to end up. That's wild news. Um, So it does get a a little interesting. I think, I think I would, I think I would pass on this one on my, my side, I would rather run it back with Mayfield and see what's there. Cause again, I think Jameis is another guy more realistic than Jimmy who could be on the market again. If you want to go down that route in 23, cause you know, if your windows open in 22, I don't think your window shut in 23. So I think you do have the ability to, to rerun that whole gamut right now. 23 could have better draft quarterbacks out there, but as far as like this, this whole thing, I'm, I'm not sure you have to look at it as if you bring Mayfield back, it locks him in for five years. That's not what we're saying. He's coming back for 18 million and you're giving him a chance to prove it. The question is, would you rather have, who would you rather have prove it? Baker Mayfield or Jameis Winston? I probably lean toward Baker Mayfield. That's just, just me. Uh, but I'm, I'm open to the idea that you think Jameis could be more worth it from that. He's 27 years old, not that much older than Mayfield at all. So what do you think? Yeah, I actually think I, I side with you on this one. I think I'd probably lean um, proving it with Baker over Jameis because I just think like with Jameis, you know, there's been so much talk about like, okay, can he change as a quarterback? Can he cut down on the, the horrific turnovers that he just like has loved to throw? And now I think in a very small sample size in New Orleans, we saw him do that a little bit. I just think like there's no way for him to fully change the kind of quarterback that he is at this point in his career. It does feel like it is crazy that he's, I mean, Baker was obviously a little bit older coming out of the draft, but it is crazy that Jameis is really not that much older uh, than Baker. And yet it feels like Jameis has been in the league for like a decade longer. Um, so I think like Jameis is such a, he's a huge personality as well. He's just, um, and I, and I, I like parts of his game. And I do think we saw in new Orleans, like, Man, that's the quarterback that people, you know, there's uh, there's reasons why people gravitate towards that and why he will probably continue to get chances moving forward. I just think uh, the the worry, it's sort of like a, a similar worry with Jimmy Garoppolo where it's like, but it's worse. It's like, when is that big interception coming? When is that sort of game-changing mistake coming? And I yeah. I think like with Jameis, we've seen it so many times that even, yes, he may have, um, you know, playing under a very competent coach in, in Sean Payton sort of was able to reel it in a little bit. I just don't have faith that like all of a sudden, he would just be able to become this guy that's like going to avoid those kind of backbreaking turnovers. So I, I think I'm with you there. I think I'd rather kind of just like go ahead with Baker than kind of give it a shot with James there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, plus coming back off the knee issue, which if he's going to use some of that mobility, a torn ACL, MCL are pretty rough to come back from. Here's one that surprised me is Teddy Bridgewater. You know, I don't I don't think people would be blown away by getting Teddy Bridgewater. I think we all saw Denver come to Cleveland and it was it was pretty pretty mediocre and I think for the most part pretty mediocre for 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 Bridgewater, but he's a he's a basement raising quarterback, right? So that's the angle they take. They have him as the 49th uh free agent on the list to strengths or accuracy leadership, which I do agree with. Is an alternate reality where Teddy's been in Cleveland for a long time if the Browns had drafted the right way back then. Um, one of two realities of Carr was your other uh, top name, according to the uh, bullet point list of reasons Kyle Shanahan wanted the hell out of Cleveland. But uh, <laughs> there's uh, some other thing. You don't get big time throws from him. You know, he's 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 sometimes even though he's uh, checks it down a good amount, he's not careful enough with the ball. He puts it into harm's way and he's got durability issues, as we all know. So the the label they give him as a bridge quarterback or high end backup that seems right to me this is the high end you know if Jameis is draw the sand of somebody comes in to start this is the high end of a backup quarterback but they go a little crazy with the contract projection here so they're looking at him as a starter like a full on two years forty million type of starter twenty mil per twenty seven and a half uh, guaranteed I I don't I I don't see that I just kind of see Teddy as like a twelve million dollar quarterback but Somebody could give him that deal. There's enough. Uh, there's enough desperation on the market. I think this year that we could see something like that pan out for him. I think the bridge quarterback high end backup thing is is true. I he doesn't do anything for me, Jordan. Again, another another player where I say the appeal of Mayfield returning to form uh, we saw at the end of twenty two or sorry twenty is just more appealing to me. I I just. You know, I don't view 2022 as the end all be all. Some people do. Some some people who cover the Browns think that like this is a year that Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry can't get it wrong. If they get it wrong, they're potentially fired. I don't I really don't want to make that leap of faith. I mean, I never thought people would turn on Kevin Stefanski as a play caller, but here we are. So maybe that's true. And you always have Jimmy Haslam uh, at at the behind the curtain, pulling the, you know, pulling the directions and all of that. So that anything could happen at any moment. We, we know we should know better, but I don't know that they'll be harshly judged on some sort of decision like this with quarterback. Cause what they inherited, I do just lean toward, I don't really love, I, I could get behind Teddy as, as competition, but the, it, it appears the price tag is too steep. So, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a great leader. He's a great worker by everything. And uh, you read and you hear about him and, all of those uh, pieces of information out there, but I just, I don't love the idea of him as your, Hey, we, we moved Mayfield and we're bringing in Teddy Bridgewater to be our sort of uh, uh, upgraded version of Tyrod Taylor, right? Where he's going to start, be a bridge guy. Maybe we'll draft a guy this year or draft a guy in 23. And that's what we're going to do. I don't love that idea. So I'm out on Teddy. What do you think? Yeah, I'm out on Teddy as well. I like you said, like he he has a great story. I think he's one of my favorite sports stories to come along in in a in a long time after you know that sort of horrific injury he suffered in Minnesota, where people thought he was never going to be able to play football again. And, and it's awesome to have seen him come back and, and get to play. But yeah, like to me, Teddy is a Teddy is a backup. Teddy is a like you said, like kind of a, a bridge guy when when the other options for you aren't anything better. I think. You know, for him to really not be able to do much in Denver with an offense that, you know, with Cortland Sutton and with Jerry Judy and, um, you know, that Melvin Gordon and uh, Javante Williams sort of backfield that they had. I mean, they had they had weapons, no offense, like they had a pretty good offensive set of weapons there. And he just wasn't able to do, I mean, neither quarterback there was able to do anything. Um, But it's like, yeah, I, I think we know what Teddy is and. He's just a guy that, yeah, like you said, he's not gonna he's not gonna raise your ceiling in any way. He's gonna be a very kind of average quarterback that you just kind of put out there, and you saw what the offensive results were. So as much as I love kind of Teddy's story, yeah, at this point, it's just kind of like, yeah, Teddy Teddy doesn't move the needle uh, much for me anymore. And I think you know, settling him settling in it in as a backup somewhere or as a guy that, yeah, like you said, like a team that 
just needs a guy to, to get them through the next couple of years. But I think, you know, offensively, it's going to be a, it's going to be a struggle. Teddy. He just doesn't has, does not have very much arm strength. Probably is one of the worst arms in the league. I would, I would venture to say, and just doesn't can't do much with his legs anymore, just for obvious reasons. And so, yeah, I, I, I'd skip Teddy. Uh, I'm with you. So let's talk about the next two, which are guys who are in the same realm as kind of players and their career situations. That's the big gap between how they, put these guys as far as free agents go, but Marcus Mariota's 61st and then Mitch Trubisky's all the way down at 108. I would envision contracts pretty similar. I think to me, Mariota is more appealing and I'm really talking about these guys as competition. I don't want to go into 2022 with Mariota or Trubisky as your starter. I would hope that's clear enough. Kind of the same with Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew, we should make the caveat is, is under contract for another year. So he's yeah. not technically a free agent. Now, could they cut him? Possible if they do interesting backup guy, uh, potential push a player, but that's, that's the, the, the realm of the three guys that make sense. Okay. I'm not entertaining Colt McCoy. I will not do that. So, uh, we got to look at this from like Marcus Mariota's projected type of deal as a one year, $8 million deal. Okay. And what you have to look at is a guy who has played in this offense before under Arthur Smith in Tennessee. Now he was replaced a lot of durability issues that led to the, to the, to the yanking, but has not gotten a chance because he signed in a place at, at Las Vegas slash Oakland where he was not going to beat out Derek Carr. Derek Carr was just a franchise staple. He still is. We're going to talk about Derek Carr in a minute, but there was just not really a path to him ever finding consistent time outside of injury. Now this is a situation where he could view it as a lot of things that make sense for him and offense. He's similar with, right? It's a part of what he does. Well, play action passer. He can obviously get out and run and play in space, which is a nice benefit to your quarterback situation. If you do have a guy who can genuinely run and make plays with their feet, the problem is the processing mistakes. I think there's consistent accuracy that is not there as uh, and pro football focus is noting that as well. And we talked about the issues with injury, you know, his most recent injury was a 31 yard uh, run where he had a quad injury and uh, you know, the extension of the injuries gone on and on throughout his career. So, I will say if they go about signing, they let Case Keenum go, they let Nick Mullins go or keep Nick Mullins on the practice squad. This is the guy I do think I would go with. It is not a huge investment. It's a similar investment to Keenum, but you're saying in a sort of weird poetic justice sort of way for Mariota, come in and do what Tannehill did to you. Show us that we should be playing you. Give us no choice but to play you. And I think this is the one for me, that is is a backup where if we ran into the same situation that happened last year, Jordan, where Baker's labrum and then something serious happens, I don't think you would be afraid to put Mariota in the way some people were for, afraid to put in Case Keenum. So this is the player, if they do sign a free agent quarterback, that to me makes sense. Now, it's a different conversation because we're talking about Jimmy replacing Baker. So that's right. it's different. But as far as somebody coming in to push him, I prefer Mariota to Trubisky uh, just just by sheer nature of uh, having done the offensive structure, having shown more uh, success than Trubisky. But I could be talked if they wanted to go cheaper to bringing in Mitch, too, as a backup. But those are guys that are not Case Keenum's that have relegated the the idea of I will never play again in this league. Right. They, they, they are not those guys. I think they have aspirations of finding a resurgence or an opportunity somewhere. And I would imagine Mitchell and, and uh, Marcus Mariota are looking at Cleveland as like, okay, this is a place where we have a real shot to get some, some time to, to get some snaps, right? Cause if the season starts out early for Mayfield ugly, it's going to be hostile. It's going to be, oh, be so bad. hostile. <laughs> So I would think that those types of guys, and in this case, these two, now there could be more additions to the market, right? There could be guys released. We don't expect, but these are the two that catch my eye. I would lean Mariota a little older, a little, little more, a little more NFL experience. He's put some good things together. The offensive structure from his time in Tennessee, very, very similar. Uh, He's interesting to me. And I do think he could push Mayfield in the right sort of ways. Yeah. I, I think I'm aligned with you there. Um, I'm pretty much like I I don't have much interest in Mr. Trubisky. Um, I mean, I guess as a guy that 
you know, as a, as a backup, as a guy you have on the roster, I think fine. But I just I don't have a ton of interest in kind of bringing him in in, in any way to like if there's competition or to push Baker. I just I'm sort of I'm pretty out on Mitch. But I I think with with Mariota, it's it's an intriguing, very cheap like like you said like PFF has a, a projected contract of one year like eight million like Mariota because of the mobility which you mentioned because of the age still only just twenty eight. Um, like he can do some things, and it's weird because like it's been so long since we've seen. I think that he played twenty four snaps. BFF has him playing last season, and really the Raiders only brought him in sort of at on goal line situations, and rarely did they let him throw. I mean, he was doing a lot of kind of like just running, you know, taking the snap and just taking off and trying to get the end zone. He just didn't do a lot of throwing um, in Vegas, so it feels like we haven't seen Mariota pass the ball in a like on multiple drives in a very long time. Um, so you almost forget like what was his biggest issues, but I think you mentioned it there. Obviously, accuracy issues, durability issues. But yeah, as a guy to kind of come in and push Baker, I think the other nice thing about Mariota is that he's just kind of a quiet dude that goes about his business. I think obviously Baker has a piggish personality. And so, so with some of these options, like we mentioned, both between like Jimmy G and Jameis, just guys that sort of kind of soak up the energy in the room, you know, like I think that would be a struggle for Baker. Like that would not be a situation I think would be great for him. I would rather have somebody like a Mariota who's going to come in who knows, look, you're not the starter. The only way you would, you know, play is for you to kind of play and earn it slash Baker also struggles. But a guy that could just kind of come in, work in a quarterback friendly system that, yeah, takes advantage of the play action and, and some of his mobility and, um, yeah, I, I think between that and his sort of like head down, just work at it personality that would kind of, you know, not take anything, not draw some huge shadow like if Cam Newton came in, you know, like with what Cam Newton's personality does anywhere he goes. So um, I think, yeah, man, I, I like, I hadn't thought a ton about like Mariota being kind of a perfect sort of for that scenario, but you've sort of... Um, that yeah, was a good sales pitch for it. I, I could, I could he's really just kind of like, he's like a quiet guy. He's, he's not so going to be out in front of the media. He's not going to, he's not going to say something stupid. He's just yep. going to work. And like, if, if he gets an opportunity, whether by injury or by poor play, I feel like he'll be ready to play. And you know, your expectations have to be tempered, but he could put together some good things in Cleveland. So I think if you're talking about, the route that allows them to get a quarterback to push Mayfield and keep Mayfield the best of both worlds for everybody, then yeah. uh, then this is the one that makes some sense to me. So we will put that out as Jake and Jordan decided to sign Marcus Mariota if the free agency path is selected. But now we have to get into something a little dicier, and that's the trade market, which is a little it's, spicier. It's spicy because there's two factors here. First is that Mayfield cannot be cut, a reminder. If he's cut, they lose $18.5 million in cap that gets that gets evaporated into thin air. But they can trade him, and if you trade him, you do get that eighteen five wiped off the books. Okay, So that's an interesting thing. The other thing you have to consider that I don't think enough people do is that he is in the midst of recovering from a labrum tear, and that's a part of the process of evaluating. Now, everything points that he'll be back, and he'll be fine in four months and six months, but... If you're making a trade, you do have to think to yourself as that organization receiving said player, what's it look like, right? That's a thing you have to consider. So it's not like a set in stone thing. For this scenario, I think we do have to pretend that most teams will be comfortable with the idea that he will be ready to go and be fine as labrum tears are easily fixed these days. So um, there are names that we have here. We'll go through them. That's going to be a lot of conjecture because that's all we have. Uh, we'll look at contracts and we'll talk about it. Okay. There are four names that Jordan and I came up with. The first is Aaron Rodgers. Now there were heavy, get me the hell out of green Bay discussions last year. I don't know where they're going this off season. This guy is so out there. He could, he could end up saying I, I jeopardy is my thing and I'm going to retire. Anything's on the table for him. I do know he's the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. I, I, I can say Tom Brady is the best career and he's the goat and all that fun stuff. I have never, I didn't get to live in the Marino era. Okay. Marino was, was a hell of a lot of fun for people that lived that era. I think Aaron Rodgers is the most talented modern day quarterback I've ever seen. Now, Patrick Mahomes is getting there fine, but as far as what Aaron Rodgers does has did the effortless nature at which he does it, some of the throws he makes out of structure, arm angles, all of it. It's unbelievable. He's going to be 39 and 22. He has a $46.6 million cap number. That's gigantic. I don't know if it shifts, if he trades, 
to another organization if that number comes down. Cause I'm pretty sure Kirk Cousins number, if he gets traded, goes from like a $44 million cap hit or 45 down to 35. I don't, I'm not good at this. If you have to complain at me off the line, uh, I just sound like, you ever see the movie intern, the interns or internship? Yeah. Uh, yes. he, says, he says on the line. I think I've done that with you. Every <laughs> now and then. But uh, anyway, if their number reduces, I'm not good at this. This is not what I study, but uh, it could reduce a little bit. But even if it sits at the status quo of 46 million, if Aaron Rodgers came out publicly and he said, hey, I want to play for the Cleveland Browns, I can't say no to that, okay? I can't. He is generational on the football field, and you would be instantly real Super Bowl contenders, okay? He would raise the elevation uh, – sorry, he would elevate the temperature of the entire franchise. He would – uh, he would lift up the, the the idea of confidence. That's a big thing that people don't understand about Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's roster was no different until Tom Brady arrived, and he raised the elevation of like, uh, I'm not using the right phrase here, but he elevated everybody's a belief, I guess is the right way to say it, Jordan. Belief that we can do it now. I think there's a lot of that. It's a, it's a franchise-changing type of player, right? You lose a lot of that only in Cleveland feeling when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers. If he was genuinely interested, it leaked. You would be welcome to a trade to Cleveland. And they took back Baker Mayfield because Green Bay needs a quarterback, right? And maybe they took back another piece and they took back a couple picks. I don't know what the market's going to shape out to be. It would take a lot for me to say no because you would get, he's 39. He could probably play three more years. He was as good as any quarterback in the NFL this year. I am, I can't say no to that. And you can do the whole, well, you know, it's uh, looking, I don't care. Three years of Aaron Rodgers can change your entire franchise, okay? You can feel about him how you want to feel about him personally. That's cool. But if he was interested genuinely in coming to Cleveland to play football, I cannot fathom saying no to it. Yeah, there are plenty of things to dislike about Aaron Rodgers, but none of them are on the football field. You know, like all of the stuff. And listen, I have, um, I am as tired of Aaron Rodgers' personality as maybe anybody is. Uh, obviously, there's stuff with Baker Mayfield's personality that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Aaron Rodgers is, is that times four or five, um, especially this season when he's just decided he's just going to just gonna talk about all the stuff he's wanted to talk about. And it has been a nightmare. Having said all of that, I, I, he is, he would change, like you said, he would change the direction and the expectations and the energy level of this franchise in a second. It would be like, like Jake, to me, it's like LeBron going to LA after um, his stint in Cleveland winning the championship, like an LA team that um, had been, you know, kind of down and, and in the weeds for a while. And, uh, you know, even with Anthony Davis coming with LeBron to, LA they still like the the rest of the roster around them was kind of like eh. and you're seeing it right now with the Lakers when AD has been out and they the, the roster around LeBron is bad and it's a struggle but like when he went there for the first year um and then they won the championship in his second year there it's just because you you have imported a player that will make everybody around him better immediately it does not matter Aaron Rodgers will throw anybody open Aaron Rodgers will make um, Anthony Schwartz looked like he's a Pro Bowl receiver. You know, like these are just, that is what he would do uh, because that is how good of a passer he is. He has taken, obviously, Devontae Adams is, is a major talent, but he has, you know, I don't think you'd be hearing names like Alan Lazard or Marquez Valdez Scanling or any of those guys. Um, Robert as legitimate. Yeah. Yes, Robert yeah. Tanyan. Like the most of that roster outside of Devontae Adams, um, if Aaron Rodgers wasn't putting the ball in places where like only they could catch it. So, yeah. no, I mean, it would be, I would, I would just roll my eyes a lot at what he would say off the field. But man, when somebody's that talented and that good, it gives you an immediate chance to win a Super Bowl. You just have to, you can't say no to that. So you, you go from I'm, you go from hoping you can win the Super Bowl, find some way to be competitive, to we have a genuine chance to win yeah. the Super Bowl. And yeah, you might not love some things about him. That's fine. I don't agree with everything the guy says in any any realm. But like. He's an absolute stud when the, when the football field is, is the only thing in play. And like he does, his guys love him. His players uh, on his team support him, love him. He gets those guys to believe. And there's really, a, a, there's something to that, man. When you have the quarterback in place that everybody 1 million percent believes in, and they know it doesn't matter the scenario, we're still in this, uh, that it, it just changes everything. And, and I think it'd be really hard 
really hard for me to turn down um, Aaron Rodgers. Another guy who, if he came out and said, you know what, my wife here, you know, she really wants to go to Cleveland. We would love Cleveland. We'd entertain that idea. Russell Wilson is interesting to me. Okay. I would, I would not be as gung ho on getting him as Aaron Rodgers was like to the point that I would do maybe something that's a little silly, not even silly, but I don't even know my threshold for silly is higher, but I would still absolutely love to have Russell Wilson, another guy who is a, an elevator, right? Talk about the, the leader types. There's the thermostat leaders and the, and the thermometer leaders, right? Where if everybody else is raised up, you can, you can get a guy to raise up, but there's certain guys who raise the room temperature on their own. They're the, they're the thermostat leaders. Like those dudes set the temperature. There is far fewer guys who raise the temperature like Russell Wilson. He gets guys to believe in the same manner. Corny dude. Sometimes I get it, but like his corniness is accepted, right? It's not bravado. It's not cockiness. It is just, here's who I am. Here's what I firmly believe in. I respect everybody. I treat everybody well. And it has always resonated where he's been, no matter if it was NC State to Wisconsin for a year to, to Seattle. And if he wanted to come to Cleveland and they were willing again to take Mayfield back because they would need a quarterback and uh, they would obviously need some things to supplement it, I would be pretty damn willing in a wide receiver dense draft that I could get a guy in the second round I like to go get him. He has a $37 million cap hit next year. He has a $40 million the next year. Maybe you can extend him a couple years and soften some of those numbers. But if you're telling me you don't want Russell Wilson, I have to know what world you're living in. He's he's mobile. He's still in the younger portion of a quarterback career. He's operated the system before a similar style to it. Uh, it's 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 uh, it's a good fit. He's played Midwest football like I don't know what else you could be looking for. A surefire upgrade a guy that's got a chance to be in the hall of fame. Like, I don't know how I would turn it down unless they were saying like, we need Mayfield and four first round picks or something that's just too high out of this world. But like, if he wanted to come to Cleveland, I would be welcoming to that, uh, that upgrade. Yeah. I, I think I'd pick Russell Wilson up from the airport to be honest with you. Like I'd drive him to Berea. I'd, I'd do it all myself to free of charge. Yeah. Um, I think that like, I think there's a lot of talk this season about like the decline of Russell Wilson. And I think a lot of that, has to, I thought a lot of that was kind of silly. He obviously did not have a great season throwing the ball, but I think there were a lot of things that played into that. One, obviously, he you know we make we, we talk about injuries with with Baker and how it affected his play. Like you know, Russell had a finger that like was not functional um, for half of the season. Kind of uh, important trying to trying to throw the football. So um, that played into it. I think Russell to me is also such a prime change of scenery candidate. Like mm-hmm. the Pete Carroll Russell Wilson combination feels like it is it is hit its end and I, I think getting Russell to a place and just a different team a different head coach and just getting out of you know he's obviously expressed frustrations with how you know Pete Carroll and that offensive staff has sort of um, tailored the offense and how they've sort of refused to address the offensive line a lot of the issues Jake that that Russell has had in the last four or five years in Seattle feel like it's the Cleveland has the fixes for them. They have a great offensive line. They have a running game that Russell probably hasn't had, even when Marshawn Lynch was in the backfield. Like they just have never had an elite rushing game like he would find, you know, in Nick Chubb, Greenhine, whatever, whoever they have back there. Um, now, yes, they don't have a DK Metcalf, but or a Tyler Lockett for that matter, really. But at the same time, he's another guy like to me that is going to elevate similar to Rodgers in terms of his ball placement. And maybe he still has the prettiest deep ball in the league. Like the amount of explosive plays I think that you could also see out of this offense, out of the play action with Russell is, uh, I just think he would be, he's probably uh, up there as, as my favorite option just because of what I think he can still do in a change of scenery and a system that I think would be perfect for him. Get him out of Seattle, get him out of that, a little bit of an archaic offensive philosophy out there in Seattle, um, bring him here and, and let's ride. Like it, it would, I would be very, very excited about, about Russell Wilson coming here. If it, if it, if that ever came to fruition. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, I think those are the two slam dunk upgrades if the cost yeah. is is stomachable. And again, what you can stomach as a cost is not the same maybe as somebody else, but it, it, we, we don't we don't matter. It's 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 Andrew Barry and what they think is worth giving up to solve a situation at quarterback, right? Like they don't want to guess. And those guys say they're interested in Cleveland uh, and they're willing to waive those. Uh, I think Russ has a no trade. I'm not sure about Aaron Rodgers situation with a no trade, but like, yeah, they would, it would be silly. It'd be a, it would be a, 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 a mis- disservice to your franchise not to do that. You know, that's, those are the special ones, man. Now the other two we're going to talk here are not as cut and dry. Okay. Kirk Cousins is the is the one that is is trending and it has been because of obvious reasons the relationships to Stefanski and uh, you know uh, the the Minnesota situation where it looks like Queasy is it Quessy Queasy am I saying his name right Maybe you know um, how to say it It's unclear it. Yeah I should look that up I'm sure there's a pronunciation guide out there somewhere for it but he's a heck yeah. of a heck of an up and comer who looks like tentatively as we sit here on Tuesday and record this mid afternoon is in line to get the job as the GM of the Vikings. Now, does that mean he wants to just pass off Kirk Cousins to his old team? I don't know. That's that's a lot of conjecture. But the connection of an easy conversation between Andrew Barry and Kirk and, and Kevin and all of them could make sense, right? You know, I've asked people from Minnesota. They, they like Kirk a lot. They like him, but they understand that there might be time to reset it based on the based on the defensive situation and what the roster needs. Kirk's contract is chunky right he's owed 45 million on the last year of his deal next year now again i mentioned somebody could have the exact number i think if he gets traded it dips down to a cap number of like 37 or so for his next team so don't shoot me if i'm wrong there but i know it goes down some so it's interesting you could obviously extend kirk he's got several more years in him he's a he's a he's another guy like rogers who you might not agree with everything about his personal life but i have uh, a a friend of mine who played quarterback with me at uh we played quarterback before me at my high school went on and had a great career at edinburgh and is one of the better quarterbacks to play in the cfl the last seven years who's same quarterback coach as kirk and he said he's never seen a worker like kirk cousins the dude is a grinder talk about the film study you talk about maximizing every ounce of potential in your body to be the best quarterback you can be he is that right like he personifies that and that's been consistent for him. Now, again, you can look at the stats and the data and say they're lying and he doesn't rise up in big moments and so on and so forth. You can go crazy, but I think it's something we have to entertain as real. If the Vikings said, we will, we will give you, uh, we will give you Kirk for a second round pick and we'll take back Baker Mayfield. Do you make that call to, to take her cousins and, and make that deal happen. I think it's harder if you say we want a one plus Mayfield. It's a little trickier because you're you're taking a guy that Minnesota probably wants to move on from. The cap number's large. He's a little older. He's 33. He's not young. Playing at 34 next year. So I think it gets too much for me to stomach, Jordan, if they want a one on top of Mayfield back. Because you got to remember, I know Mayfield struggled this year some, but he struggled immensely, but Carson Wentz went for a two slash one the year before. Like yep. there, there is value in getting back Mayfield going to Minnesota and restarting his career and getting a fresh start. And it's an almost Indianapolis like decision to take Carson Wentz the same way Minnesota could view it or green Bay for that matter, or Seattle where, Hey, let's just see if we can get a Darnold like deal here. We'll bring him in. Maybe he figures it out. Maybe he doesn't. And we're not tied to him after this upcoming year. If, if it doesn't work out right, it's worth a shot. It's better than you. You would like that more than maybe taking a first or second round rookie in this draft to me. So there's value there. It's not like Mayfield's on the scrap heap. I think there's value there. So if Minnesota said, we'll take a two um, and, and we'll take Baker and you can have cousins. Would you make that deal? This is the toughest one. I, I will Listen, say this is I, the toughest one. I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm very. I'll, before I give you my answer, yeah, I, I will say that I'm very split on this because you and I have talked about on on this pod about like Baker Mayfield's ceiling. Mm-hmm. If all sort of went well, like we would hope that Baker Mayfield sort of would be a Kirk Cousins. Like that's you know, especially now seeing you know having a, a four year sample size of what Baker Mayfield's game 
has been, it feels very much like best case scenario for Baker is Kirk Cousins. So like in that sense, yeah, it would be silly um, to not take that offer seriously and think about bringing Kirk Cousins in here into an offense that he has like in Minnesota with Dalvin Cook, and obviously he has familiarity with Stefanski, like it would be a seamless transition for him. But then the flip side of me is like, you know, I think, Jake, this is too where you bring up the what are they going to ask for aside from Mayfield. It's like I'm watching the playoffs this weekend, and I'm watching I'm watching Ryan Tannehill. Now, I think Kirk Cousins is a is a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill, but I think they there are some similarities there. And they both have a strong running game, and they do a lot off play action. And you just watch a quarterback that just can't do as much as even Joe Burrow on the other side. Um, and you, you just watch a quarterback who you, I just wouldn't feel like with with Tannehill in the playoffs, he would have to be the most perfect quarterback that he can be for my team to continue to be able to advance. And part of me feels like with Kirk Cousins, there's some similarities there in that. Is he an upgrade over Baker? Yes. But would I feel like, and again, like you said, this next season is not the end-all be-all. Um, if they, you know, bowed out in the playoffs, um, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But do I want to, depending on the price, sort of what I feel is almost a cap for how far the Browns could go? And maybe I'm totally wrong on this. Maybe Kirk Cousins, he's had years where he's played incredibly well. Maybe the opportunity getting into the playoffs, he would play really, really well. I just, Jake, I am hesitant with Kirk because I feel like there is a sort of ceiling for him in terms of how far he can take your football team when you're watching other quarterbacks. And it's not fair to compare him to Mahomes and Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and all those guys that in the AFC you're going to have to go up against. I just don't know how I would feel with him under center in terms of how far he's taking the team. But... I do think that because he is an upgrade, that if they did say, hey, Baker in a two, like you said, it would be it would be hard for me to say no. I would probably say yes, I but I would hesitate just because I'm just not sure in terms of what you'd want to give up that going from Baker to Kirk is this huge upgrade that we may think it would be, if that makes sense. So I, I'm very torn. I think I would say yes, but I, I don't know how good I would feel about it. I think that would, would probably sum it up. Here's what you have to say. You saw this version of Mayfield in 20, right? You yes, saw this version. 100%. And you you saw it still was not statistically as good as Cousins and you saw where it got you in the playoffs. It yep. did not net and you could blame it on other people, that's fine, but it didn't net you a divisional round win. And 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 like that okay, so that's the version of Mayfield you hope he gets back to, right? That's his ceiling. That's the best version of Mayfield we've ever seen, and it's the one you hope you get back to. Well, that is pretty much what Kirk Cousins is. So you're saying automatically going into it, we have the best version of Baker now, right? Because Baker's not running, right? He doesn't process as quickly as Kirk. Yeah, his arm strength is better, but the arm talent is pretty similar. Uh, and, and and you say, okay, well, do they bring do they bring uh, Jefferson and Thielen? No, but he gets a significant offensive line upgrade. He gets an, uh, some nice tight end weapons. He's got some some things that work in his favor. Maybe if they still use that first round pick on a draftable wide receiver. So you can't just say Kirk's a product of everything around him and then ignore saying that to Mayfield, right? Like that that to me is like I I just can't fathom it. So your best version of Mayfield is what Cousins is. I would have a hard time saying no. Now, if the question for this conversation with Cousins is how steep does the price get? Because if yep. the price goes overboard and they say we want a first and we'll take Mayfield, I can't do it. I don't want yeah. I don't want to give up a, 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 a multiple assets to go from the you know from whatever version of Mayfield we saw last year between whatever we saw from Mayfield last year to the best version of him, there's a middle ground, higher middle ground version of Mayfield. That's still fine. Right? So maybe he doesn't reach the level of cousins, but is the difference between middle, uh, the, the kind of middle average version of, of Mayfield versus cousins, that big a difference that you want to give up a first round pick or first and a third. I don't think you can do that. I really, I really don't think you can do that. Uh, especially given that you have to work out another deal with Cousins and his cap hit's going to be double what Mayfield's number is. So the big I can see Kirk as an upgrade. I believe that. I don't think it's even arguable, okay? If you go back and look at 2020 compared to what Cousins has done for years, it's the same thing, right? Even better, Cousins has been a little better even than, than that 2020 stretch for Mayfield. So 
it's an upgrade, but the question you're asking is how big is that upgrade and what's the price to making that upgrade happen? So I'm with you on that. If it's something like what we're saying here, I could see the, 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 the path to that making sense. If it gets too spicy on the pricey, like what I did there, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's out. I'm a terrible podcast humor, but I'm, I'm out if it gets too pricey. I, there's, you know, with, with, Rogers and with with Russell Wilson, I can get my threshold for weird on prices high. Not not yeah. Kirk Cousins can't can't quite get there now. Kind of in the next tier below or added, I don't know whatever way you want to look at it. A tier below is is Derek Carr. He's an interesting dude. Derek Carr is an example of when do people's eyeballs find him the most? Right, they find him the most at the end of games. And what does he do well at the end of games? Pretty good quarterback leading leading drives that matter. And that's played out over his career. Pretty, pretty damn good at it, but not as consistent as people have thought. And nonetheless, a pretty good quarterback. Uh, I think he would be an upgrade to Mayfield uh, at or an upgrade to Mayfield. The question is that what is the value of Derek Carr? Uh, and I do think he's an upgrade. What is the value of Derek Carr to the Raiders? Cause they're getting a new GM. They potentially are getting a new head coach. Where do they think they're at competition wise? They, they got to the playoffs, took a great run, but do they come in and say, we'd rather tear this thing down and build it from the studs and have these, these, these guys, the young guys that are anchor parts and we'll rebuild so many pieces of this, or do they think they can keep taking shots at it? Right. With Carr, that is that, is that a thought process they have? His cap is, is much easier to stomach. I mean, he only has one year left on the deal in 22. It's uh it's it's easy to trade him. They'll save so they'll obviously get the money off the books. His cap figure is only nineteen point eight, so that part of it becomes easier to stomach. He's only thirty one this upcoming year when he plays, so that part's a little better. But I think there's far far less urgency from the Raiders to, to move him. Not urgency, probability is higher that the Vikings move Cousins. Um, so you know I think that it's definitely um, maybe not cut and dry that he's by the data a better quarterback. But I definitely think you could see an angle where car, the price, if they're willing to move him is is something they do. So I don't I don't know. I don't know how they value him. What what do you think? Like like they take Baker back and do you think they want a one for him? Do you think they value him more than the Vikings value Kirk, both in the last year of their deal? Yeah, I I think it would be I think it would be hard. Like if I were the Browns or another team that they were calling, I think I would be I would give some pushback on a one for Derek Carr just because yeah, I think because all the things you said, like he, like Darren Carr, Derek Carr intrigues me because like he he makes some throws that really do wow you. Like he makes some big time throws, and I think we've seen that throughout his career. Like you said, that at the end of drives, like he puts on his big boy pants and makes some some really nice deep ball throws. But like you said, the consistency for him is has also never really been there, and you, you'll just see drives where like just three it out and he looks absolutely awful and they do nothing. And, you know, they had some talent there. Obviously, like, they went through a pretty tough year this year in terms of stuff that was going on off the field. And obviously what happened with, with Henry Ruggs and just losing Henry Ruggs in general made a difference as, as a deep threat. Um, but, you know, they had Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and, like, Josh Jacobs is, is an okay running back. I mean, they had some pieces there. And they, you know, so they it felt like they should have been a better offensive team than they were. Um so yeah, Derek is intriguing to me. I again, yeah, I think like I would I would feel more inclined to give up a one for Kirk. Not saying I would, like we just talked about, but I would feel more like okay, I would think about that rather than like if the Raiders were asking for a one for Derek Carr. I think I would be like I I think that is that is way too high, and I don't think I would do that. Um, but also for me, like sometimes I feel, and I don't know like why I feel like this, but I also feel that like to me, Derek Carr still has a higher sort of ceiling than Kirk might. Like he can do some things with his arm and his sort of mobility that that Kirk can't, even though Kirk has been a, a better quarterback than Derek Carr has for their careers. I just feel like there is sort of this level of Derek Carr can can just let it rip and make some pretty like high level throws when you need him to, even though he hasn't done it on a consistent basis. So he's probably a tier below um, Kirk for me as well. And I don't think I'd even really entertain giving up a one for him, but I think anything beyond that would make me think pretty hard about it just because I do feel like he has shown the ability to do some special things with his arm. And, and it's always hard to sort of ignore that when you see it. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing where the data for cousins is, is better, right? Like the data yeah. for cousins is better. The, the, uh, 
it's a little more clear cut that their their situation predicates a move. It, it, the Vikings defense is a mess. They're bringing a new a new GM, new coach. It just makes sense to start over at that position. Uh, it, it's not. It doesn't. They they could get some value for him. They're not getting any value for him by playing him this year. They're going to win some games they shouldn't win. They should bottom out and get another quarterback. But like you look at Carr, and it's like, what is he really worth, right? Like the the yeah. data is not as strong from a down to down perspective. But you get the crunch time minutes that make people think he's a little better than what he is. But crunch time does matter. He's also a little younger. The cap number is a little more stomachable. But how into moving him are the Raiders, right? So like. It's not as cut and dry. You'd say you would you would feel good about giving up maybe a one for this guy, but then you're like, well, the data is not as good, right? I'd like to give up one because the cap number's stomachable. We could work out a new deal that goes from 19 to 27 or something, and still very stomachable, right, for a quarterback at the, at the in the NFL at this stage. He's younger, and and I think you, that stuff points to a one. But then it's like, okay, but the data maybe doesn't support that as a huge upgrade over Mayfield to give up a one. Right. So I don't know that what, what I do know is I feel more inclined to think the cousins thing is, is possible. The car thing feels like so much depends on where the Raiders view themselves in the spectrum of the NFL, whether they think that the next coach and next GM are hit the ground running types. Um, We'll just have to see. I don't know if we answered anything definitively here. We went back and forth and laid out a couple different things, Jordan, but these (laughs) are the options. yeah, these are the options. Obviously, you know, none of this can be definitive until especially some of this, the guys that are under contract that we mentioned and, and we see where that goes. But um, there are, you know, this is why I think we've said on past, on past podcasts, like I, you have to, there are, there are considerations to be made because there are the possibilities for some of the names that we just mentioned to become available. And this is always why I think the last time we did a pod together was right after Andrew Barry sort of was doing the, the press conference where he said Baker Mayfield's going to be our, our starting quarterback next season. And you and I both kind of were like, um, I mean, sure, you know, say that now for sure. Say it in public. But um, I would be absolutely shocked if they are not um, already having conversations and putting feelers out and just seeing what the landscape is going to look like quarterback wise, because there are guys like we just talked about that can um, lift up the franchise a level above, I think, where it's been with Baker. But man, it is—it's complicated, Jake. This is a scenario that we, we sort of hope they didn't have to put themselves in because there are so many what ifs and who's going to be available and does this—is the value worth it to make a trade and give up picks and all that? So it is—it um, is a one of the more complicated off seasons quarterback-wise, I think, that the Browns have ever had, just because of what Baker was and sort of what happened this year and, and who could be available. So it's just going to be. It is going to be all incredibly fascinating to see what they do, what leaks come out, you know, all of that stuff. So it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. A couple things, right? The draft doesn't have great options. A lot of teams that maybe yep. would rely on the draft are not feeling as comfortable about doing that. And this market could get very dense. So that's something to consider. We also didn't talk about Deshaun Watson because Jordan and I both agreed that it's just too convoluted. There's just there's just too much we don't know. And it's not even worth speculating on, really. So we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. But the thing to understand too is we're talking about this on January 25th. Nobody saw Matt Stafford getting traded when he did last year. Some name that you don't expect could end up on the market, and and uh, you know, things are just a capricious league, man. Things could change at the drop of a hat. So uh, we'll see what shakes out as we sit here today. These are the options that are out there: free agency and trade. We went through whether we would do it or not, whether we keep Mayfield or not. Maybe we surprised you by keeping Mayfield more often than you thought we would. Uh, but that's the point. That's the exercise here. And uh, we'll check back in maybe in a couple months and see where this all sits after the free agency period hits and and uh, the drafts approaching and all of that stuff. It'll be a fun little re-exercise to this. Jordan, you're the best, man. Thank you so, so much for doing this. I know we did an hour, but it's probably the fastest hour Browns talk I've had in a while, man. So thank you. Yeah, man, of course. It's always uh, It's always fun to do these. It's always – I just – like thinking about it, like where it could go, all the possibilities. I, I feel, you know, there's a lot of, um, it was not a season that we, <laughs> that we enjoyed, especially in a lot of areas, but it's, I'm feeling a little more now that we've removed ourselves from it a little bit. I just think that it's a tough situation, but it could turn into something, whether it is Baker in 2022 um, when he's healthy and he, and he plays well, or they, they find an upgrade. Like I, I'm hopeful that whatever the result is, it is a positive one for the Browns. So it's always enjoyable sort of talk about it and, and speculate on it. I mean, it's, it's fun, you know, like this is what free agency and trades and stuff are for. They're always fun to sort of speculate and talk about. So happy to do it. Yes. Yeah, the best of the hypothetical world. So thanks to Jordan again for, uh, 
for joining the show and and spending a time, you know, all that time he spent today with this thing to go through these and have the discussion. I think we do uh, as far as bringing people on Jordan's as fair as it gets with this. So uh, thank you to him again for coming on the show. We're going to have another show coming up, still focusing on Mayfield. We're going to look at uh, the, the pre-draft scouting report with Matt Waldman, who I think does fantastic work. Wal- Waldman was very critical of Baker coming into the NFL. And I want to know, whether things have held up, whether his opinion of him is now, and I will compare him to some of the guys we talked about out here today, whether the Browns need to be really making that type of move. So, again, thanks to Jordan for joining today's show. Check out the OBR for quarterback content all week as it is quarterback week. We'll go through each position leading up to free agency. We'll do the positions again leading up to the draft. That's what we do. I swear we'll stop talking about Baker Mayfield next week. We'll get there. I promise. So hang in there. Thanks for joining and supporting the OBR through the website, through the Twitch, and this podcast. Have a great, great Wednesday, and go Browns.